Chapter Eighteen of Arizona Nights by Stephen Edward White. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Man with Nerve. At about ten o'clock of the Fourth of July, a rider topped the summit of the last swell of land and loped his animal down into the single street of Paresa. The buildings on either side were flat-roofed and coated with plaster. Over the sidewalks extended wooden awnings, beneath which opened very wide doors into the coolness of saloons. Each of these places ran a bar and also games of roulette, faro, craps, and stud poker. Even this early in the morning, every game was patronized. The day was already hot with the dry, breathless, but exhilarating heat of the desert. A throng of men idling at the edge of the sidewalks, jostling up and down their center, or eddying into the places of amusement, acknowledged the power of summer by loosening their collars, carrying their coats on their arms. They were as yet busily engaged in recognizing acquaintances. Later they would drink freely and gamble, and perhaps fight. Toward all but those whom they recognized, they preserved an attitude of potential suspicion, for here were gathered the bad men of the border countries. A certain jealousy or touchy egotism, lest the other man be considered quicker on the trigger, bolder, more aggressive than himself, kept each strung to tension. An occasional shot attracted little notice. Men in the cow country shoot as casually as we strike matches, and some subtle instinct told them that the reports were harmless. As the rider entered the one street, however, a more definite cause of excitement drew the loose population toward the center of the road. Immediately their mass blotted out what had interested them. Curiosity attracted the saunterers, then in turn the frequenters of the bars and gambling games. In a very few moments the barkeepers, gamblers, and lookout men, held aloof only by the necessities of their calling, alone of all the population of Pereza, were not included in the newly formed ring. The stranger pushed his horse resolutely to the outer edge of the crowd, where, from his point of vantage, he could easily overlook their heads. He was a quiet-appearing young fellow, rather neatly dressed in a border costume, rode a center-fire or single-cinch saddle, and wore no chaps. He was what is known as a two-gun man, that is to say, he wore a heavy Colt's revolver on either hip. The fact that the lower ends of his holsters were tied down, in order to facilitate the easy withdrawal of the revolvers, seemed to indicate that he expected to use them. He had furthermore a quiet gray eye, with a glint of steel that bore out the inference of the tied holsters. The newcomer dropped his reins on his pony's neck, eased himself to an attitude of attention, and looked down gravely on what was taking place. He saw over the heads of the bystanders a tall, muscular, wild-eyed man, hatless, his hair rumpled into staring confusion, his right sleeve rolled to his shoulder, a wicked-looking nine-inch knife in his hand, and a red bandana handkerchief hanging by one corner from his teeth. "'What's biting the locoed stranger?' the young man inquired of his neighbor. The other frowned at him darkly. "'Dares anyone to take the other end of that handkerchief in his teeth and fight it out without letting go?' "'Nice joyful proposition,' commented the young man. He settled himself to closer attention. The wild-eyed man was talking rapidly. What he said cannot be printed here. Mainly was it derogatory of the southern countries. Shortly it became boastful of the northern, and then of the man who uttered it. He swaggered up and down, becoming always the more insolent as his challenge remained untaken. "'Why don't you take him up?' inquired the young man after a moment. "'Not me,' negative the other vigorously. "'I'll go your little old gunfight to a finish, but I don't want any cold steel in mine. Uh, it gives me the shivers. It's a regular Mexican trick, where the gun is down and out, but this knife work is too slow and searching.' The newcomer said nothing but fixed his eye again on the raging man with the knife. "'Don't you reckon he's bluffing?' he inquired. "'Not any,' denied the other with emphasis. "'He's just drunk enough to be crazy mad.' 
The newcomer shrugged his shoulders and cast his glance searchingly over the fringe of the crowd. It rested on a Mexican. Hi, Tony. Come here, he called. The Mexican approached, flashing his white teeth. Here, said the stranger. Lend me your knife a minute. The Mexican, anticipating sport of his own peculiar kind, obeyed with alacrity. You fellows make me tired, observed the stranger, dismounting. He's got the whole town full of you bluffed to a standstill. Damn if I don't try his little game. He hung his coat on his saddle, shouldered his way through the press, which parted for him readily, and picked up the other corner of the handkerchief. Now, you mangy son of a gun, said he. This is the end of chapter 18.